0: And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. We are back, and potentially better than ever. We'll tell you in about an hour, hour and a half whether that's the case. He is J.C. Sherbert uh, of 24-7 Sports and the Big Spur. I am Mike Morgan of ESPN, the SEC Network. And together we come with your blessing uh, into your living rooms, your gyms, your cars, wherever you might be listening to us, we certainly appreciate it. It is another installment of the JC and Morgan podcast. Uh, really, really good numbers last uh, time out. Tim Brando joining us, and, and it was not your typical just hey, uh, let's let's have a fifteen minute jump in, jump off uh, interview. Timmy B gave us literally ninety minutes. We wound up. I'll let you behind the scenes a little bit. We wound up recording that over a two-day span because Tim Brando initially did not know how to use Skype, and we did not know how to get a guest on with Zoom. So then we we had to do uh, the first half with what we use Skype on the first half, and then Timmy lost his power. So we had to do, record the rest of the next day. Anyway, he was kind enough um, to go the whole 90 over a two-day span. We, we merged it all into one podcast. Great response from you folks. Really appreciate it. I like to think that – you know, we'll, we'll, and we're going to start having more and more guests. So I like to think that uh, together we are capable of actually putting together an intelligently done um, interview uh, that you can feel good about. And if you go over the information that we covered in that and how it was covered – I think uh, everybody felt really good about that. Uh, Today, we'll be guestless, but uh, we'll start having more and more on now that we are Zoom-friendly. We're living in a Zoom universe, and that makes our jobs a little bit easier in terms of having guests. Uh, JC in Chi-Town, first of all, a little uh, little temperature update, JC. It's... uh, nicholson in the shining that's what you're listening to with that sigh uh
1: 57 and cloudy today but uh supposed to be in the 80s this weekend and
0: uh oh okay
1: i, I don't know man you know I'm, I, i'll say this dollar i'm ready to get back south i've kind of been stranded yeah. here for the last couple of months and uh, um uh, i see all my friends back down in warmer temps having good times on the lake and going to beaches in florida and yeah. you know things like that and you know he, people even taking their dog out on the lake mike and uh, <laughs> you know up here you know there was a lake in my backyard yesterday because it rained about eight inches so right um nah it's a uh, it, it, uh, pandemic plus first time being exposed for a prolonged period of time to midwestern weather that's mm that's something that really you got to kind of try to keep your spirits up about. Um, But, you know, never fear my friends, I'll be heading back South soon uh, once all this clears up and uh, certainly uh, I'm looking forward. Never thought I'd say this to 95 and humid (laughs) (laughs) again. So it's uh, that's the one thing about that. Well, it'll,
0: it'll certainly uh, be like that soon enough. Uh, All I can say is Wendy put down the bat (laughs) <laughs> I, I I see you just throwing a rubber ball against the wall as hard as you can. Uh don't go into room, what is it, two seventeen? stay to stay out of there. Just 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 stay out of there if you're tempted to do so. Uh so, so you got JC in Chi Town. I'm here in the Mecca of College Football Atlanta and also uh in the state that everybody said was going to be uh, the apocalypse when it, we opened up three and a half weeks ago and actually all the numbers and percentages of coronavirus uh, uh, drama has reduced dramatically and people are living their lives. And um, I'm I'm happy to see that the numbers, the numbers in this state and the other one that I've been to recently, a girlfriend and I took a trip to Destin last week. uh, The numbers in that state are down dramatically. Uh, So all the, all the people that almost, (laughs) you didn't know any better. You almost think they were rooting for, for bad things to happen when those two States opened up. Uh, uh, sorry to disappoint you. They've actually been one, two of the better success stories. And I think we're going to see more and more of that as time moves on. I, uh, let's see my post COVID activities thus far. I've flown to Florida to see family. I've driven to Florida to to see, uh, Destin, which was nice. Uh, do you want to talk about that is the beach of the sec. Holy smokes. Um, I've played rounds of golf. I've gotten a haircut. And I've eaten at restaurants. So you might say I'm living on the edge. But I've done also all those things with discretion. And, uh, and uh, again, it's just nice to see that things are opening up. Um, nine weeks ago was, uh, was March the 12th, and I was ready to call the second round of the SEC basketball tournament. That's when Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz Tested Positive, and that's when the sports world changed forever. Six weeks ago, one of the things that JC does that you might not know, you know, we record these things and and JC feeds them down the line so that it can be heard all over virtually every platform. And you are in charge of coming up with the, entit- the, the title that kind of encapsulates what we just went over mm-hmm. during that hour plus. And six weeks ago, you entitled our podcast Nothing wrong with being positive. And, <laughs> and I'm so glad you said it that way. Um, and that was not us being Pollyannish. I mean, it was just based on the data that I saw, and I've watched an embarrassing amount of news and read an embarrassing amount of, of science. Uh, I'm no, by no means an expert, and it is you have to really struggle to find who doesn't have an agenda out there, who you can trust, et cetera, et cetera. Based on all the, everything out there, And based on the the will of the people uh, and the importance of sports and the financial impact of college football, I said then, I really thought there was going to be a college football season. And I can't tell you how many people, respected people, blue checkmark Twitter people, uh, national people, talking heads, gave you a million reasons why it would never happen. Well, here we are, and it is mid-May, mid to late May, and this just in, folks, it's happening. I mean, you see it now. I mean, the latest New York and California now are planning, making plans for games. Even Ryan Newsom had to do a complete 180. One day he says we're going to stay on lockdown for another three months. All of a sudden you hear talk about other states saying, you you can take your teams here, you can play your games here. And all of a sudden it's the reality of that, including economic reality that came through, and, and a complete 180. Oh, uh, forget about that whole three-month thing. We're, you, you, we can play sports here, too. Uh, Governor Cuomo of New York okaying games. Obviously, it's more of a pro state, so, you know, pro football, pro I baseball.
1: Want, uh, I want well, the again. Giants and the, and the Jets. <laughs> is, is that the, the godfather? And, and the Mets to come back and play. <laughs> Don Corleone, or is that <laughs> – oh, somewhere in between, kind of somewhere between. Uh, I had to throw that in there. Don't ever go against
0: the family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen, I've never heard your Cuomo impersonation. <laughs> we'll, we'll revisit that one. Uh, but anyway, you've got all this going on. We had uh this past weekend six million fans watching a NASCAR race Jeez. on television with no fans in attendance. You see any of that? It was a little creepy. I'll be honest,
1: but, uh, I'll have a little quick story about that. You know, I I actually shot a commercial. It's about the coldest I've ever been in my life. It was in January at the Charlotte motor speedway. And it was a Daytona commercial. And I'm actually, when you, when you see it on Fox, I did make the cut. I was an extra, but you can see me in my uh, Hawaiian shirt held in the sun, um, back in my acting days. And, um, so I was in the, and I, at the time I I realized just, you know, that's what a vast place that was. Uh, and there were no fans there, obviously that day, besides the little, little crew and all that. And Danica Patrick and Ryan Newman were there. Um, and, and, and honestly it kind of creeped me out being in that big, vast expanse of a space without anybody else. And so I kind of like, that kind of triggered me, you know, (laughs) when I was watching it on TV, I was like, it was kind of weird, but heck, I was just glad to see it back. And, um, you know, unfortunately no fans or whatever, but like you said, 6 million pe- people, that, that that doesn't lie. You know, there's
0: no, that doesn't lie right there. And so uh, still happy to see it back regardless. Highest rating for NASCAR in three years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I watched, and I'm not a huge NASCAR guy, but I sat there and watched more of that race than I've done a NASCAR race in years. Cause ordinarily this time of year, I'm watching, you know NBA playoffs. I'm I'm calling college baseball games. I'm watching major league baseball games. So NASCAR just doesn't fit on my buffet plate this yeah. time of year. But because there's nothing else to put <laughs> on watch. the plate, I watched that. And I watched four people playing golf in a in a you could cut the tension with a plastic spork uh, event where there were no fans. And yeah, it was awkward. But I watched it. I, I mean, again, people are so starved for sporting events right now. And to go back to something I've been talking about for months now, remove the word ideal from your vocabulary in regards to sporting events over the next however many months this thing takes. So you're not going to have crowds in some cases, or you're only going to have partial crowds in some cases. Uh, I can tell you that the people that I talk to when it comes to, let's just keep it within the SEC for now, because as we know, know, there's a big difference between – say, an SEC school and someone in the Pac-12, just from a, uh, well, from all kinds of standpoints, logistically and and politically and everything else. But there are many schools in the SEC hoping that they can have anywhere between 15 to 20 percent capacity. Now, that might change because like everything else, when we talk about this, it's fluid. Uh, If for some reason there is just a, if there's a, obviously, if there's a vaccine, if there's Uh, the numbers are down so dramatically and this thing is fizzling out, then it could go from 20% to 50%. Who knows? But for right now, that is the plan. I also told uh, the plan is still to start on time. I'm also told the plan is to play a full schedule, not a conference-only schedule. Um, That is the plan in the SEC. Uh, Things differ, although if you look at it across the board, everybody's trying to get that same thing Uh, In order, Uh, everything, everybody is trying to get a full season underway. And I love the quote, and I never thought I'd be quoting Gordon Gee, who uh, I remember as the president of Vanderbilt uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But He's been a two time president of Ohio State, now the president of West Virginia. It's a man in his 70s. He carries a lot of credibility. Uh, Been around big time college athletics and academics for a long time. And I loved his quote, J.C., because, again, you have so many people that the, the problem solving is not in there. That's just not their their repertoire. And that's fine. you know. Not everybody on earth is a problem solver. But I, I go back to the movie Die Hard <laughs> when Bruce Willis is talking to the inept police captain who who's, just can't grasp what's going on. And Bruce is trying to tell him, hey, we've got a hostage situation here. The Nakatomi building is, we got some issues, all right? I'm not ordering a pizza. I I need some help. And this this guy's fumbling and bumbling his way through. The the police captain is. And Bruce finally says, look, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And that's kind of how I felt about this whole thing during a lot of uh, times and durations where you have people that all they can do is tell you a million reasons why this can't work and they have no problem-solving skills and desire to do so. Well, Gordon Gee comes right out and says, because this is what I've heard people. I mean, I've heard, and, I, and I, let me just tell you, I love Dan Patrick. Uh, I'm a big fan of that show, him and the Danettes. Um, I, I, I think it's one of the more in, intelligent shows overall. I don't need two people debating LeBron James. What if he did play football? Would he be a tight end? Would he be a middle linebacker? I don't need that for two hours. Um, but... Dan has been at the forefront of what's not set dates. It's irresponsible. Let's not do this. And he, I mean, even as recently as today, he said, well, I mean, all it takes is one player to, to test positive and everything's shut down. Mm. That's your opinion. <laughs> That's not necessarily a reality. In fact, I disagree. And so does Gordon Gee who said, well, look, obviously during a college football season, we're going to have a positive test. But that's not reason to, A, panic, and that's not going to cause us to shut down. So that's not just a fan talking. That is a long-tenured school president talking. And I think that is the opinion of, again, the true people that are behind doors, not waving their finger on national TV every day and making strong statements, but actually trying to solve problems here. That's what's the kind of things that are being talked about, with ADs, with conference commissioners, with school presidents. You see what MLB has put out already. The NFL is talking about taking certain measures. We know if these kids didn't play football, there's going to be at least one. There are over 15,000 Division I FBS college football players. If they never see the light of day in a weight room or a football field, yes, I'm confident there'll be at least a couple that turn out COVID positive. Guess what? that age group is more likely to be struck by lightning than die of COVID-19. Look at the numbers. That age group is not uh, in the the so-called danger zone when it comes to that. I know people twice that 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 age that have gotten it. They have quarantined for 15 days and then they were back at work. So uh, these are the things that actual people that are Problem solvers. This is the way they go through things. They don't just go in front of a microphone or in front of a camera and tell you how difficult it's going to be, and just kind of shrug their shoulders, bury their head in the hand in the sand like an ostrich, and say, "This is just too complicated." That's not what we're looking for, JC.
1: No, not at all. And and, and I appreciate the fact that you know I, I've never been a big Gordon Gee fan to be honest, because Me he, neither. Uh, he's had some cheap shots. He's taken at the sec while he was leading the OSU and all that good stuff. But um, I, uh, I appreciate the fact that he's willing to do that. And I don't remember if it was MLB or the NBA, when they were talking about starting the season or restarting their season, as in the case of basketball, <clears throat> you know, the, they said we're going to have to live with some positive tests. And, and that's the truth. I mean, you know, that's the bottom line. I, I also think, then when you look at the dynamics of a college football team um in in a college football team comes from various socioeconomic backgrounds uh it's a very diverse group of guys um and some of them are not safer at home quite frankly or in their right. neighborhoods or, or or if they live in a hot spot or something like that whereas if you're in a dorm room that gets sanitized heavily every single Uh, day and you're in kind of your own space and uh, you're going to practice and getting tested every day. And you're just kind of right there in your bubble. You know, you're probably going to be a little safer. um, If you want to get right down to it and be honest. I mean, I I think that, you know, I I think that when when you look at the, the fact that, you know, all your players right now are at home and and going out with their buddies and and, and their kids on top of that, you know, they're how, how, how strict do you think they're following the quarantine right now. I mean, they're kids, they're college kids, you know, college sure. kids get a little restless. So I, I appreciated the fact he said that. And then, and you're absolutely, they're absolutely right. You're going to have to live with some positive tests. Um, you know, the, the numbers for people of that age group do not lie. Um, the only thing God forbid is if somebody on some team somewhere has some underlying conditions, this thing jumps on them and they unfortunately pass away. Mm-hmm. Uh, which statistically that's probably not going to happen, but I, I that would be the worst case scenario. And that's going to be just because of the nature of our media these days and how politicized this thing has gotten. That's going, there's going to be a lot of negative backlash if that happens. Now, I pray that it doesn't, but I mean, you know, when you're looking at something you kind of want to consider the worst case scenario. Um, and to me, that that's, that's the only thing I can't really get past is well, what if this does happen um, but I don't think you can, like, because of the economic impact, which also impacts people's lives, um, I, I mean, that that's a very small risk to take because, I mean, uh, if you want to get right down to it, the brutal truth is there are people who get seriously injured and pass
0: away playing the sport of football each and every year on various levels. Well, you brought up a good point uh, in terms of what your average – college age kid is going to do if there is no football they're not going to just isolate <laughs> put themselves in their apartment or whatever the case may be dorm room so many of these kids now have their own apartments um and just sit there and play video games by themselves and never do anything they they are going to get together you see a lot of the athletes now that have been sidelined these are a lot of professional athletes Uh, I mean, I don't know what the heck (laughs) Uh, Earl Thomas was doing. um, Well, I do know what he was doing, but uh, hopefully most pro athletes are making better decisions than that. Uh, Hopefully most pro athletes are making better decisions than some of the other ones we've heard about football players getting DWIs and and with guns everywhere and, and, and all of the sort. But the point is, is that you ask a lot of the coaches and the coaches have told people their biggest concern of the threat of contracting COVID-19 is not during football activities. It's, it's during non-football activities. It's going out and spending time with friends, going to a party, doing all the things you just alluded to that college kids do. You're more likely in some cases to catch it that way than you are in a controlled environment which is what these athletes kind of, that's what they live in, especially during the season. I mean, everything is so controlled with their, with their clock, with their routine. And obviously every college is going to make, every athletic department is going to make the absolute most uh, stringent safety measures. They're going to do that. It's to their own benefit. It's selfishly you want to do that not to manage not to, to not to mention the fact that it's the most magnanimous and the right thing to do so uh, the motivation will be there uh, but you can't control what these kids are going to do when they're not practicing when they're not lifting and when they're not playing football and you're more perhaps more likely to catch it in some of the other activities that college kids do and we all know what it's like to be a a, a college student you know you don't spend a whole lot of time by yourself so you You can play that, you can make that argument a hundred different ways um i was I was on a show this morning j c and we were talking about the fan. I said i 'd be surprised if you see stadiums more than twenty percent full for a while and and I said part of it is is because schools a d s presidents are in c y a mode you know what that stands for Cover oh, your ass, yeah, okay, and by that I mean. If if some fan goes to a football game and then a week later tests positive and then wants to sue said university, well, then you you don't want to deal with the litigious nature of some people. And so that's what ADs have to worry about. But what the host brought up to me was a good point. Well, good luck trying to prove that he contracted it at the football game. He could have gotten it at the supermarket. He could have gotten it uh, with hanging out at a barbecue with his friends. I mean, there's no telling. So that's always the X factor, but you're, you're, you're not going to prevent that just by eliminating sports. We've seen that altogether. We haven't had any sports <laughs> for two months and people have still contracted COVID-19
1: yeah. Walmart and, and all these places are open. I mean, I, I think, I think here's what you do. Um, and down in Florida, Walt Disney world's opening back up. Um, we, uh, we had a trip planned down there for late April, Um, I actually, to save some money, went and bought $4,700 worth of Disney gift cards. Um, (laughs) so I'm sitting on those now because I got a a refund. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm probably gonna, I don't know what I'm going to do with those,
0: (laughs) but uh, I know some people that'll use them. That's a
1: hilarious uh, story though. Cause I mean, I never listened to my mom and my mom calls me up, you know, she's like, Hey. I'm at Sam's and they're buying $500 Disney gift cards for $475. And you've got a truck coming up and you should maybe do this. So I, I finally was like, I'm going to finally listen to my mother. Yeah. And um, we take our happy butts over to Sam's, which is two towns over. And we, we load up, you know, Disney gift stack of Disney gift cards.
0: This is why you're a renaissance man. Most people are loading up on toilet paper and paper towel. JC Sherbert loads up on Disney gift cards. <laughs> uh,
1: this was in late February. This was before. Was, so so we roll, we roll all these gift cards, right? And um, and then sure enough, it gets canceled. And so now I'm sitting on them. And I was like, man, yeah, save a couple hundred bucks. And finally listen to my mom. And that's what I get. But um, point is Disney's opening back up. And at Disney Springs, which is their shopping area, down there which is lovely if you have Mm -hmm. a chance to go Yep. um they have signs posted that says "Covid 19 is a real thing uh if you enter disney springs you are acknowledging there is risk that you may contact it and you assume all that risk period and that's what you tell everybody that comes to a college football game Um, it's part of their, you know, those on the back of the ticket. I I know not not many people read the back of the ticket. Hmm. There's a long bunch of stuff, legalese stuff on the back of almost every ticket. And you have to, um, you have to agree to that. And if you're, if you're an older person and you're in that risk group, don't go to the game, watch it on TV. I mean, I, I know it's some people are like, hell bent on there being 80,000 people in the stands and all that. But I, I, you know, just from the people I've interacted with that are fans, but I I just, I I think that's a bridge too far. Um, I do think people need to wear masks at the games. Um, And and again, this is barring a vaccine coming online or a great treatment that knocks it out. And at that point, everybody just goes back to normal. But I, I I think that's what you're going to be seeing with regards to college football is, is, is that limited crowd, you know, you're probably going to be able to sit with your family or whoever you've been quarantining with, uh, and they'll put you kind of spaced out so you're not around a bunch of people and you'll have a mask on and uh, you'll rock and roll. So I, I'm i with you. I, I think that I do think there will be a season. I, I'm confident, hopefully, that it'll get off pretty, pretty, you know, as scheduled. September 5th is a long way away. Um, but I also hope that um, – and look, they, they may also move the season up, Mike, because there are some schools, Notre Dame and South Carolina, that have uh, announced this week that they have uh, they have um,
0: eliminated fall break,
1: eliminated fall break, and then the end of the semesters and Thanksgiving. So they may actually move the college football season up a week. I, I would think um, you know that that would that wouldn't be off the table. Uh, I would think if schools are adjusting their calendars as such. But uh, I do think you're going to see some social distancing and. And heck, it's uh, I've been to enough spring games at different schools to know that, hey, it's kind of fun to sit in the stands where there's only like twenty thousand <laughs> people, and you can spread out, relax, and drink a Coca Cola or a cold beer. Now yeah. at most SEC schools, and uh, and enjoy yourself there with your little crew, and you know, sometimes twenty thousand people in a in a big stadium can make noise. I've been to enough high school football championship games to know that too. So. Sure. You know, it won't be a factor.
0: Oh, no question. I would imagine the band would still be there. Um, You'd want to have the student section. They're typically the loudest and rowdiest. You'd want them to have a place. The big money, big, big money, you know, they'll have spots in the suites. And then you just have to spread them out the rest of the way. Again, not ideal. So you're not going to use the term sellout crowd and you're not going to have overflow and you're not going to have all these things that we're accustomed to that doesn't mean we just have a pity parade and cancel the season. Like that's, you, you, you adapt, you go ahead and you adapt. And that's what, that's what so much of the sports calendar is going to be like. I mean, look, the NBA, they're talking about having their postseason in one city in Orlando. Yeah. You know, I mean, you want to talk about adapting. Baseball at least is talking about having games in home stadiums, but again, either no fans Or partial crowds. That is just the reality uh, of sports in the fall of 2020. And you don't have to love it, but I think you'll like it more than having no season at all. Uh, You mentioned Notre Dame, South Carolina, what they're doing with their calendar. I think you're going to see more and more schools do that, uh, particularly those in in colder climates. But I, I don't know. I mean, my guess still is this season is going to start exactly what your little... Uh, pocket schedule says now, and and if, if things have to change on the fly, then so be it. Like every, like everything else is fluid. Why wouldn't things in the sports world? Why wouldn't things in the college football world be fluid? Uh, there could be some changes. You know, there's already been talk about could Alabama kind of trade opponents and play TCU and uh, you know, all these things are on the table, but to go back to what we were talking about six weeks ago and what you aptly entitled, kind of encapsulated what we were talking about, which is nothing wrong with being positive. Uh, we're past the point of being positive. Now we're, this is a reality mm-hmm. uh, barring some dramatic setback. We are having a season and you know, the Greg Sankey's of the world. Well, everybody else was panicking and telling you why it couldn't happen and shouldn't happen. Uh, Greg just kept saying, you know what? We don't need to make these decisions in March. We don't need to make these decisions in April. They're on a Zoom call like you and I are doing right now on this podcast every day with other conference commissioners and very often with athletic directors. And they're actually, again, working out logistics and trying to problem solve as opposed to let's figure out what the worst case scenario is. And then let's go ahead and throw that out there, throw our hands up and just say, I quit. That's that's not. (laughs) it's not really the backbone of this country um and and thankfully that that attitude did not prevail and it's not going to prevail and it looks like we are i think the only state now that has not cleared uh the the activity that you need for example there's going to be a vote here um by athletic directors next week whether or not Players should be allowed back on campus either June 1st or June 15th. I mean, uh, pick one. To me, it doesn't it doesn't matter which one. Um, I know that Lincoln Riley was kind of outspoken about that, and that's that's fine for him. He's entitled to an opinion. But
1: yeah, I don't know how much of that was about. Whatever and how much of that was maybe about drawing a contrast with some of with, the schools he recruits against, particular maybe even Oklahoma one Mike State, Gundy. maybe yeah. even Oklahoma State. I thought it.
0: about that too. It's kind of like, well, Mike Gundy said this. So I'm going to let you know. I'm I am i am not with Mike Gundy on that. Yeah. Um. I, I did think about that as well. <laughs> I mean, why not? We've seen we've seen some people turn all of this into political stuff and partisan stuff. Why not let a state rivalry? perhaps get involved in some of the public statements as well. But I think Mississippi is the only school in the SEC footprint. There's not all systems go in terms of uh, kids going back on campus. Uh, Yeah. I I imagine that is going to change.
1: Yeah. Missouri surprised me. They were the first ones. And that was kind of surprising because you wouldn't think that. I know just in terms of the individual states, um, you know, Louisiana – because it was such a hot spot. I mean, I could see them being pretty hesitant. Arkansas is definitely a go. There's hardly any cases, Tennessee. It's already opened back up, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, um, Missouri, as I mentioned, Kentucky may be a little tricky. Um, and I know Texas is open back up. So I, I, uh, you know, this vote coming up, they may push it to the 15th, just out of an abundance of caution. Mm -hmm. But, um, Honestly, if there's no vaccine and no treatment, then your risk is not, your risk is not declining, you know? Right. Um, and right. my, that's, that's another thing people don't seem to understand. And, and I, I thought, I thought that that's why, you know, we were all sheltering in place was because we wanted to flatten the curve. Well, now some, some States are like, uh, oh, we, we got to completely eradicate this before anybody can go outside. And you're like, Ooh, shoe buddy. You know that's a, that's a bridge too far for most people, but um you know, so yeah, I think in the s e c we uh everything's looking pretty positive you know the, the Kentucky thing's sort of ridiculous because you know that guy obviously he's kind of playing politics with it they have very few cases in that state um Tennessee actually had more, and then yeah you know I it, can
0: tell you firsthand i I've gotten very acquainted with Kentucky politics, that travel yeah. ban has been lifted,
1: yeah, so, so it's now better. even
0: Kentucky has uh
1: it's better, that's kind of you know,
0: risk,
1: yeah. so that's, that's a good thing. But, you know, I think the SEC footprint's in good shape to open back up. I think that like you mentioned with the pro sports and Gavin Newsom doing a 180 and, 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 uh, and uh, Governor Corleone, Governor Corleone said, oh, we want the Jets and the Mets to, the New Yorkers need the Jets and the Mets and the Yankees to come back. You know, um, them doing 180s, like once Florida said, Hey, You can come play in our city, and you can come play in Florida this season all you want. We're open for business. I think that changed some tunes (laughs) pretty quickly. You know, I mean, and I mentioned this on a podcast a few weeks ago. Like, what would – if you want to shut down college football, if you're Gavin Newsom, what's to keep USC, which is a private school, from playing their entire season in
0: Las Vegas and Nevada? Nothing. And I'm sure that was brought up as well.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, so if if you're going to do pros with no fans or whatever, you could probably do colleges with no fans. Um, And and that's a positive thing, I think, even for the Pac-12 to come around. I mean, you you kind of look through the Pac-12. Washington was kind of way out in front of all this. They had the first known cases. They've flattened the curve. Um, Things are looking up there. The governor of Oregon got her draconian orders completely punted by a court the other day. So the Ducks and the Beavers against their governor's wishes may have ball. Um, I mentioned California, then Arizona's uh, on its way to open it back up. So, I, you know, Colorado and Utah as well. So the Pac-12 may even be in a position to where they can play. And so I think that's that's a positive.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was another thing that you were hearing not long ago. Well, the SEC might do, but you can forget about the Pac-12. Well, don't, don't be so sure about that. Uh, you know, the, if nothing else, try to draw positives from any negative. Uh, this has been an education on civics, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I think most people don't get obsessed with their gubernatorial races. You've learned a lot about just how important a governor can be, because basically, this in in so many ways has been left to the governors of the particular states. Yes. Uh, You know, in the case of Kentucky, I'll go back to that one. The attorney general who happens to be on the opposite side of the aisle as the governor actually took the governor's mandate to court and won. That's why the travel (laughs) ban was lifted. Yeah. Uh, And I, you know, you've mentioned governor Newsom. I mean, you see all of a sudden when people see, okay, look, you're not the only option here. You want to, you want to do your own uh, type of uh, imposing of rules and, and put everything on lockdown. Well, we can go ahead and play games somewhere else, and the revenues will go somewhere else. Uh, you know, you look at the NBA players. If they, didn't con- if they don't continue, there's a billion dollars worth of salaries that will not get paid to those players. So all of a sudden, even people with blank U money might say, you know what, I wouldn't mind going and finishing that out. Let's, let's go ahead and do it. So uh, all of a sudden, like some logic is being entered into the equation. And things, the wheels are in motion for a lot of different things to, to happen, which, uh, which I think is great on so many fronts. Uh, I, I really do. And I, we might actually be talking about depth charts and schedules and great coaching hires and people on the hot seat, as opposed to all the other stuff that we've been forced to talk about for quite some time. Again, it's JC and Morgan podcast this is number 106, by the way. Mm. We've done this 106 times now.
1: It's been such a long time.
0: It's been a magical carpet ride, that is for (laughs) sure. And throughout the uh, entire duration, it's been brought to you in part by BP Skinner Clothiers, bpskinnerclothiers.com. They've got you set with custom suits, casual clothes, accessories from suits to jeans to shoes. They have it all, and it is quality. Their stuff is as good as anywhere you can go, appropriately priced, and again, tailor-made to your body, not just something off the rack that's not going to make you look your very best. The other thing that's tailor-made is your convenience. Uh, we, even in pre-pandemic times, pandemic times, post-pandemic times, uh, Brent Skinner will come to you no matter where you are in the country. Just go ahead and set up an appointment and he'll come to your home or office, get you fit, Let you pick out what you want, and the rest, as they say, will be history. It'll be sent to your door, and you'll be ready to go. They've got the Skabal suits, which is a tremendous brand. Uh, Again, you will feel the quality. You will see the quality, and other people will notice the quality. That's BP Skinner Clothiers, bpskinnerclothiers.com. Brent Skinner will take good care of you, as he does so many of our listeners and so many people out there throughout the country. Uh, I have to ask you, did you watch – the Last Dance. I, you, I we know that I watch more TV than you do. Yes, right? we're on record of this. You haven't even seen Last Chance. You and I, I think that's an unpardonable sin. But we just let it go at this point. The Last Dance. You said you were getting into that. Had did you watch all ten? I did. I did. Um, I finished. I actually
1: finished it up yesterday, and um, thought it was, you know, and, and I grew up in the nineties, and I played. I played basketball in high school and junior high and I was actually, believe it or not, all conference when I was in eighth grade. Uh oh. Big time. You know. <laughs> I, I was know. the
0: high,
1: I was the height I am now when I was in eighth grade. So I was a, a post player and then I I quit growing and I never learned how to dribble or shoot. So that's a problem. <laughs> you're
0: kind of the opposite of the Scotty Pippen. story. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm the opposite of Scotty Pippen. But um you know, uh I I you know I was not a big Bulls fan I'm a if I'm a fan of an NBA team it's the Atlanta Hawks because I kind of grew up watching Dominique Wilkins and uh Kevin or Kevin Battle and uh, Antoine Carr and Cliff Levingston and John Conkac and Doc Rivers and uh you know then they had Moses Malone and Reggie Theus one year and thought they were going to be really good then they stunk and um you know some of those great battles between Dominique Wilkins and Larry bird in the playoffs. And then some of the great battles between Neek and Jordan at the, uh at the slam dunk contest. But that was, that was right before the bulls got good. And so it was the Pistons were kind of the team that was the Celtics and Lakers and the Pistons were the team that were kind of, was kind of on the rise and the Hawks had some good teams there too. And then one year, all of a sudden the bulls flipped the switch and, had a championship level team. They beat the Pistons and away they went. And I just remember all the, you know, all the, the, the hype and pomp and circumstance around the bulls and Jordan and the shoes and, you know, the, the be like Mike commercials and the McDonald's and, you know, Barack Obama, who you'll probably never hear me quote him a whole lot on this show, but he did make a good point that, you know, Michael Jordan was really one of the first pro athletes from America that kind of was a worldwide brand. Um, And what I can totally respect about that is that he didn't do it for any other reason except his hard work and his motivation and his drive. And, you know, and that's not just from watching – this documentary series, which is obviously the Michael Jordan story. I mean, it's called the Last Dance, but it's obviously the Michael Jordan story. Um, but but that was the truth about him. I mean, and, and very on, I think you know he's a guy that probably didn't have to be totally honest with the media and 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 real in life if he didn't want to be. Um, but he was, and he didn't have to work hard every single day. Uh, but he did. I mean, Roy Williams was quoted. He said, there's only one player that could turn it off and on that I've ever coached, and that's Michael Jordan, and he never, ever turns it off. And, and I think that's a good lesson for athletes, people in life, whatever, if you're a living and on the planet and trying to stay in the moment and do the things mentally that we all try to do every day. Uh, that's a good lesson. It's a good lesson to be learned for it. Plus, it was well done and highly entertaining, and I loved it.
0: Well, uh, yeah, Jason Hare – was the guy that, that put it all together. And he's done a few other of the documentaries. I think he did the 30 for 30 on the 85 bears um, did one or two others. Uh, it was extremely well done. And, and he, that was his, you know, that's his Godfather. It's, it's 10 hours long. And I remember when I start first started seeing the promos for it, this was of course, pre pandemic. And I was saying, Oh, jeez. I, I can't take 10 hours of a Jordan love fest. I'm not going to enjoy this. Uh, I was around for the last dance. I watched every one of those postseason games. Um, what am I going to really learn? Why is this going to be enjoyable to me? This is probably going to be, in, in essence, it's another 30 for 30. It's probably going to be the 30 for 30 that I enjoy the least because I love that series. I think it is so well done. I think it's one of the best things that ESPN produces uh, or any network for that matter. But I really didn't anticipate me getting a lot of joy just watching the 1998 championship team for the Bulls. As you stated, it's much more than that. It really is a Jordan documentary. Um, And for the record, I never was a Michael Jordan fan. I pulled against him. I am a Celtic Mm -hmm. fan. Um, uh, I, I've, I've never, I, when I say I wasn't a fan, that's almost putting it mildly. I pulled against him almost <laughs> routinely. I wanted the Knicks to beat him with Patrick Ewing. I wanted Reggie Miller's Pacers to beat him. I wanted every opponent in the NBA finals to beat him. So I say all that to let you know, I'm not MJ fanboy. Okay. Yeah. The closest thing I ever did, uh, it was around that time when I was playing in high school, I think my freshman year, our coach, we all had to buy Converse, got a discounted rate. I think it was called the Energy Wave shoe. Uh, and after that, uh, that coach eventually went on to bigger and better things. Uh, and we were allowed to buy whatever sneakers we wanted. And at the time, the Air Jordans were the best sneakers on the market. So I, I did buy Air Jordan sneakers on more than one occasion. So I put money in Michael's pocket. I paid for a few of those cigars and, and some of that uh, whiskey he was drinking throughout the entire series. <laughs> However, uh, I couldn't stand the MJ fanboys. Um, I played with some of them on my team. I went to school with them. You had guys – I played – I can't even tell you how many hours of pickup ball. And how many people would go out to the playground and they would put on their Michael Jordan gear – their Air Jordan shirt, their Air Jordan socks, their Air Jordan shorts, their Air Jordan headband, and they thought because of that they were going to play like Michael Jordan, and it was annoying. So, and I thought he got the benefit of almost every call, and he was insanely petty, which thankfully the documentary pointed out. He always would try to find manufacture a grudge that really didn't even exist. All that said, I'm pretty confident in my ability to assess – Basketball history and where basketball players rank and this whole Jordan LeBron thing. It's not even a debate. Michael Jordan <laughs> is a better player than LeBron James and almost every single way, shape and form. I LeBron is not, I don't know if LeBron is in my top five. He's not mm-hmm. ahead of Kareem either. I mean, LeBron may be the best small forward. I mean, It's just like, it's, it's ridiculous. Watch, watch LeBron in his first finals against the Mavericks. One of the worst performances by a superstar in an NBA finals. He makes fun of Dirk Nowitzki when he's sick, implies that he was faking it and then goes on to get completely outplayed by Dirk and they get squashed. And LeBron spent half his time throwing the ball out of bounds. So I, I I'm glad that this is fills up a lot of airtime. Um, but But Jordan was, and remains the best uh, I, I I could give you an hour dissertation on why that is, but i 'm glad that this came out for a number of reasons. Number one, we needed something to watch without any games and it 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 was well done, and I looked forward to every hour of it. but number two, uh, it reminded some that Jordan's in another category. And then there's this whole other generation who didn't know anything about Michael Jordan Mm -hmm. and watched it. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, okay. I get it. He, he, he was the man, he is the goat. So from that standpoint uh, I, I really liked it. And again, it was, it was very well done. I will say this, even though it was somewhat like Michael had to sign off on this for those that don't know by now, and he didn't sign off until a few years ago when the Cavs won the title. Uh, you can make your own assertions, the timing of that. But when he signed off on it, I was worried again, it was just going to be a, a Michael Jordan love fest. But what it showed you uh, how petty he could be. Uh, I don't think Michael Jordan's a great guy. I don't think he's awful. I don't think he's a bad guy. I play around to golf with him. I'd smoke a cigar with him. I don't think he's a good guy. Uh, you almost felt sorry for him. All his friends are just cronies, his security guards, Yeah, he's got his one buddy, uh, you know, Ahmad Rashad, who probably gave him a foot rub before and after every game uh, (laughs) and was supposed to be the the interviewer, the hard-hitting interviewer. It's another thing that was nauseating throughout the Michael Jordan years. But uh, but you almost felt like he can't turn it off. The competitive fire cannot turn it off. And so he lives kind of a lonely life. Now, again, what I always say, to quote the movie The Edge, never feel sorry for a man who owns a plane. Well, I'm not going to feel sorry for a billionaire that made money on basketball and shoes, but his life is not, you know, if you look at the other aspects, he's been a terrible front office person, not a very good owner. I'm not going to get into his personal life as a husband or a father, but there's, there's stuff there. Like I felt kind of bad for him in some ways because he just, he just seems like a guy like that's it. Like basketball is the first chapter, the last chapter and everything in between um and he just can't get he comes still comes across as petty you go to his hall of fame speech he's like taking shots at people he's trying to settle scores like dude they're honoring you as a hall of famer lighten up but that's him that's him and that was you could say that was part of his greatness I don't think we use. we need to use that as a role model like I don't think you have to be an a-hole to be great at what you do uh we have enough people in broadcasting that feel like they have to be an a-hole to be good at what they do and conduct themselves that way. People in your business, right? People oh, probably in all, in all walks of life. Like they feel like they've got to be an a-hole or they got to walk around uh, as if they're God almighty and that makes them somehow better at what they do. It's just in a dozen. And Michael Jordan wasn't good because he was an a-hole. And I don't think you have to lead that way. He was good because he's a freakish athlete, an alien on the floor, who, as you mentioned, worked his butt off and and – just had a competitive desire that was, that was second to none. But I, I thought that part was, I was glad that it showed not just the good, but a little bit of the ugly with MJ, a little bit of the ugly that, that, that was out there. And, and you might say it's still out there. So I thought it was really well done. Uh, now the question is what the hell are we going to watch for the next few weeks?
1: Yeah. I was like, I'm disappointed now. Like, God, I wish there was something else, you know?
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's a Lance Armstrong 30 for 30, uh, Bruce Lee, 30 for 30 coming out. I'd be interested in that. Kind of intriguing. Yeah, that's kind of intriguing. And and one on Maguire and Sosa, like, again, are you going to teach me anything about uh, that? That's 98 all over. Uh, that's the same time frame. I think we already know that story, how it ends. But may, again, I didn't think this would be as good as it was. It was yeah. great. So maybe maybe those will all be good as well.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, just to tie it back to football, you know, college football there are certain teams Florida Michigan North Carolina and Oklahoma that wear Jordan brand gear yeah uh, on the football field so that's kind of interesting and covering recruiting a lot of the kids uh kind of liked it you know they're kind of drawn to that um especially in like North Carolina right now (coughs) excuse me and um you know, I think this this documentary, while everybody on earth that cares about sports was watching it, um, you know, I, th- I think that'll help certain teams that have the Jordan brand mm-hmm. recruit. It's I mean, And, and look, t- kids don't make decisions based on shoe companies at schools, but it is an extra selling point. And I do think that um, when you're talking about college football, uniqueness sometimes helps you get over the top because most of the schools essentially have the same type of thing uh going on whether it's facilities or whatever so um i think that's interesting to watch is you know the nike schools and there are many of them and there's only four with the jordan brand right now as the nike schools move forward um you know clemson and alabama are among them you know how many teams will we see on the football field in college switch to jordan gear Hmm. um you know in an effort to kind of get a a little advantage
0: no doubt no doubt um I'll close with one more note, and then I'll see if you've got anything else. I know we're, we're running out of time here. Uh, yesterday, I believe it came down, Furman baseball eliminated. Um, I know that headline means nothing to 99% of you. And if, you know, on any given day you're watching ESPN or SEC Network, what have you, and you'll look at the what we call the crawl at the bottom of the screen with just random news notes, and it'll be uh, this school just dropped – wrestling. This school just dropped lacrosse. This school just dropped soccer. And I'm sure the the common reaction might be just shrug your shoulders and just think, "Well, uh, as long as you're not messing with my football, basketball or our power 5 school baseball, uh, you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it." That's fine. I will say this, just think about it. When a program like that is eliminated, it's not just the those particular athletes that suffer. Uh, Those are sons and daughters of families that now don't have a scholarship. Those are coaches that now don't have a job. Those are trainers who are out of work. Uh, Heck, I can relate to it on an announcer level. There's a lot of young announcers trying to cut their teeth at smaller schools. Uh, They now don't have a a game to call. They're looking for their next gig. It goes on and on and on. So there is a real ripple effect of of that when that happens. And uh, it's just, it's a stark reminder of, how much is tied into the sports calendar operating normally and not missing out on things like March Madness and the threat of missing out on even just some college football games. Uh, so hopefully we won't have many more of those stories. Hopefully some of those programs will be able to get back up and running when, when we're back to normal, but uh, it's just unfortunate to see. And again, as we've talked about on this podcast, Don't think it can't happen to your school. Even if you are in the mighty SEC or the Big Ten or the ACC, it's not a bottomless pit of money. Uh, Many of these schools, 80% of the revenues come from football. Uh, And if, if if you didn't have a season, for example, and it looks like we certainly are, but if you didn't, I would be afraid to see how many more of these stories we would see, not just at smaller schools, but even Power 5 schools.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, baseball is perennially on the chopping block anyway because it's just uh, the way that sports treated at the college level is is awful, and you know, we'll uh, that will be a topic for another time to get into all that. But it's uh, it is unfortunate and affects people involved and and all that. You know, Furman sort of surprised me. That's a school that's not, um, you know, and I, I li- I've lived in the Upstate of South Carolina for a big chunk of my life, and I'm from there. Lived in Greenville, know many many Furman people. That's not a school that's necessarily hurting for money Mm-mm. across the board. Um, they got pretty deep pockets, a good endowment, um, but when it comes to athletics, I mean, you know, you, you probably have to to make decisions based on your athletic budget and all that, and you know, you run into Title IX issues with the men's sports that have, you know, because 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 the idea is Title Nine, you got to have kind of within the ballpark, men's sports versus women's sports. And, you know, the, the geniuses that run the country who are geniuses that, you know, don't want to admit that not everything fits on either side of the, the gender spectrum here. There's no women's sport like football, none. So and, and you need that many scholarships for. And so you got to kind of get it within a range. So when you're talking about a lacrosse or a baseball team, baseball is 11.7 scholarships. It's still a lot. Lacrosse is a lot. And so, if you're if you're planning on cutting a women's sport in order to preserve football and be in compliance with Title IX, some of these basketball—I mean, I'm sorry—some of these big rostered male sports have to be cut, and um, and it's sad. And you know, I I always and I, I'm I look nothing against Title IX and gender equity, but once again, you know people aren't living in reality when you consider there's no woman's sport that's you know comparable to football in terms of scholarships. Football also pays the bills by FYI um, so so it is unfortunate when something like this happens. My guess is Furman will probably cut a women's sport next because um, and that this is a precursor to that uh, in order to kind of get compliant with uh, with title IX.
0: What are you uh, looking for this week? Anything? What's, what's on the JC agenda?
1: Well, I'm going to eat a Sloppy Joe sandwich probably today okay. uh, for this place that we order from sometimes. I, um, I like the Sloppy Joe there. and uh, I, I had not had a Sloppy Joe in years, but um, in my quest to get fat during the <laughs> quarantine, um, I have, uh, I've been down in those things pretty good. And uh, I don't know, may uh, continue to do the... Uh, we have some yard projects. I'm building a turtle pond. Out back, oh. and um, I got uh, I got the wall up, and it's sinking now because it's rain. So we got to go fix that, and you know, probably i will have a couple of ice cold ones this weekend, like I uh, normally do on Friday and Saturday. There you go, uh, and so that'll be fun and spend time with uh, the girlfriend and the dogs and the turtles and the boys and all the people that are here in our happy abode. So hey, I did want to mention this because you mentioned BP Skinner earlier, and uh, I was on Instagram and saw their ad. Masks are going to be part of your life if, right. out there. BP Skinner has designer masks. Yeah. And you can get online and order designer masks from BP Skinner. I'm probably, yes, be what I'm going to do. I'm probably going to do that here in the next hour because they look amazing. Uh, but you can get on their website, uh, bpskinnerclothiers.com. Good and, call. And yeah. Yeah. So I, I wanted to mention that because I saw that ad right when you were talking about it. And, um, yeah. I, I'm sure you, you will not find this quality of a mask. Anyway, Any
0: wellness. That's right. I don't have mine yet. I've been using just the regular cheap masks, but but Brent's got you covered there. I'm looking at the same ad you're talking about, and you can yeah. follow him on uh, Instagram, BP Skinner Clothiers, as well. That'll do it for us. Number 106 in the books. We'll be back next week. We do have some uh, guests that we're going to start doing again now that we're in the Zoom universe. It makes things a lot easier to uh, add that to the docket. So we'll be talking to some folks and get their opinions on everything on where we stand and how things are going to look uh, moving forward but again uh, six weeks ago we talked about nothing wrong with being positive six weeks later i think we're even more positive than ever so sometimes positivity does pay off right it's not a bad thing absolutely the power of positive thinking mike you has got
1: to stay positive got to stay is. positive
0: we, we have enough cynicism in the world we don't need to add more here on the podcast So for a uplifting and positive J.C. Sherbert, this is uh, an always glass half full and rainbow Mike Morgan saying so long for now. We'll see you next time on J.C. and Morgan.